The last uh, three weeks we have been listening for God's word that comes to us in the Gospel of Luke. This morning we turn to the Gospel of Matthew uh, to hear the story of how uh, Joseph found out about the baby Jesus. I read to you from Matthew chapter 1 beginning with verse 18. Now the birth of Jesus the Messiah took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been engaged to Joseph, but before they lived together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. Her husband Joseph, being a righteous man and unwilling to expose her to public disgrace, planned to dismiss her quietly. But just when he had resolved to do this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife. For the child conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what had been spoken by the Lord through the prophet. Look, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall name him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. And when Joseph awoke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took her as his wife, but had no marital relations with her until she had born a son, and he named him Jesus. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. God, we thank you again for this holy season and for this sacred word. Through the power of the Holy Spirit, open us. To a new understanding and a renewed yes in our own lives. Amen. Our grandson Ben is in second grade up in Rochester, New York. And like many uh, classes and grades over this last few weeks, um, his teacher's been talking a lot about uh, family heritage and traditions, especially related to the holidays. So this week, uh, Ben one day brought home a writing assignment that he had done in school. He was to answer the question, what are your family traditions? Ben's answer was simple. We get fast food on Friday. <laughs> Carolyn was like, really, Ben? No, she didn't say that to me. <laughs> I mean, they're a family that has all kinds of traditions. For the first snowfall, what you do for birthdays. Um, he does really, really love hamburgers, though. So, right, what are your, what, what's a tradition? Uh, yesterday, Jim and I uh, celebrated a wedding here with a, with a couple. And, uh, you know, weddings are just so full of traditions, so rich. And you have to figure out what is, what is new and what is changing. Traditions are big and they're small. And this season of Advent and moving into Christmas, right, we as a church are just, you know, we're just rich, you might say, with tradition. Like this lighting of the Advent wreath. We have four candles. It's in a circle. There's reasons why we do this uh, based in our, in our past. But it's tradition. That's why we do it. On Christmas Eve here, we already got out the little, Marty, our custodian, already got out our white candles for Christmas Eve. Right? Our service here, like many, many churches, the tradition is we end with a singing of Silent Night and we pass 
the light. Nothing is, it's not like we have to do that because there's a law around it, but because it's the tradition. The, the holiest and healthiest traditions are always those that are not based in law, but rather are based in abiding love. Love for God and love for one another. This idea of tradition, what we are to do. This question, uh, this story from scripture this morning invites us to look at that a little more closely, especially as we look at this person, Jesus. Now it's always, uh, Joseph, it's always a little bit tempting to leave him out, right? He's kind of the add-on in a certain way. We never hear any um, words from him. Um, in the Christmas story, he has no lines. Not when the angel Gabriel comes to him, he doesn't say anything. Not on the way to Bethlehem. Not when the baby is born. He usually just stands there. Well, except last week, if you were here for, the, um, for our children's Christmas program, our, our Joseph did have to hold baby Jesus as he stood at the manger. Um, if you haven't seen it, you really need to go back and watch it on, on Facebook. Um, he had a very important job to not let his cousin uh, Gabe go crashing to the ground. But usually, right, Joseph is not considered really a main character, but because he's not included in that Luke story, but today we listen because actually he is very important and can teach us so much about tradition, its value, its cost. Maybe he can teach us this better than any of the other uh, characters, so to speak, people in our Christmas story. Joseph reveals to us that while tradition is a good thing and it makes us who we are, it can also be our undoing. So what do we know about Joseph? Not that much, but we can put together part of his story. It appears from what we know about the broader picture is that Joseph's life started out in a traditional way. Maybe born and raised in Bethlehem, a small town outside of Jerusalem. But at, at some point, his family would have moved 90 miles north to Nazareth. He came from a family with a distinguished heritage from the house of David. We know from words spoken to Jesus that Joseph was a carpenter. We know that he was engaged to Mary. All of this seems well and good until what? Until it isn't well and good. Because as the gospel writer Matthew puts it, before they lived together, Mary was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And then we read, but her husband Joseph being a righteous man, and unwilling to expose her to public disgrace, planned to dismiss her quietly. Remember, Joseph lived not only in a different time, but in a different culture. Each week we've talked about this just a little bit, about either about the Roman occupation or the hazard that would have come to Mary as being unmarried and pregnant. In the ancient world, pregnancy outside of marriage brought shame and dishonor upon everyone involved. Joseph, like every person, including us in history, was a product of his time and his culture. 
And so Joseph, with the tradition and the heritage and the culture, knew two things. One, Mary is pregnant. Two, it's not his. And three, this is a really big problem. We're told that he's righteous. And what that lets us know is he's schooled in the religious tradition of his time. And the tradition taught that if a woman was accused of adultery, the matter was brought before the town elders. A blurring or a um, religious tradition and legal community tradition and law were intertwined. If it was determined that her husband was lying, he would be charged a modest fee. But if it was determined that the charge was true, that uh, the woman had committed adultery, was pregnant to the one not married to, then the woman would be taken to the door of her father's home. I did not realize all of this. She would be taken to the door of her father's home where she could be stoned to death. That was tradition. Hmm. The tradition, what, what, what under, uh, was underlying this tradition was that you had to purge evil from your midst, right? You have, you have to get rid of the evil so that the good could remain, so that you could pursue the good. So Joseph, being a righteous man, understanding the tradition of his day, knew that that would be legally and religiously an option. Ah. But, but it appears that Joseph was open to another kind of righteousness. So Matthew tells us that uh, Joseph was unwilling to expose Mary to public disgrace and that he planned to dismiss her quietly, which means that Mary's life would be spared, at least for a time. Because what would that life have looked like? Mary and a baby on their own, shamed and dishonored, excluded from the community in every single way. The odds are good that in that time, in that culture, that if this mother and child would have survived, their lives would have been painful and very perilous. So, but such a decision could have saved Joseph though, right? He could have been all right. He would have been able to leave the situation quietly, traditionally, with his righteousness intact. And if Joseph had done this, we would not have heard this Jesus story, at least not in the way that we're celebrating it this season. Joseph's story reminds us that it wasn't only Mary's yes that mattered, but Joseph's too. We aren't told how much this yet, how this yes came to be, only that he had a dream. Uh, another, uh, we could do a whole series on dreams in scripture and, and how God comes to people and speaks in dreams. But so Joseph has this dream in which the angel says to him, don't be afraid, take Mary as your wife, you've heard this. She's gonna have a child, a child conceived by the Holy Spirit but you will be the one to name him. Hmm. You will be the one to name him and you will call him Jesus. With this announcement, the traditional family that Joseph had envisioned vanishes. Hmm. The vision of what his life was gonna be like with Mary, what it was gonna be, what he uh, has expected and now 
confronts what he's been told. They don't match at all. This does not seem to be a concern of the angel Gabriel, though, at this announcement. He doesn't explain too much about how this is all going to work um, to Joseph other than this is how it's going to go. And this one will be named by you. The word at heart is simple. Don't be afraid, Joseph. Don't be afraid to, to uh, give up on that tradition to accept another. Mary's going to have a baby. And Joseph, you're going to raise this child as your own because he will be your own. Because he will be your own. You will name him and claim him in the house and lineage of David. Tradition, yes. So this man, Joseph, righteous as he is, the one who's been raised in the law, in that holy tradition, now claims a righteousness and a law of love. A righteousness that focuses not on what does the law demand, but what does love demand. The focus is on the bigger picture. It always, this kind of righteousness always leans toward love and the well-being of others. This kind of righteousness that Joseph uh, maybe discovered in himself. It doesn't ask, what does the law allow me to do? Because we know, we heard what the law would have allowed Joseph to do. But rather it asks, what does love compel me to do? Hmm. Good question, right? Good questions for us this day. It doesn't ask, what does the law allow me to do? But it asks, what does love compel me to do? What does love demand? What will bring the most light and love and life into the situation? It is in this uh, swirl of dreams and consequences that Joseph has to make his decision. We don't get a sense that he gets like weeks to think about this, right? He wakes up in the morning and he, and he realizes he has to balance the tradition and law on one side and the word that has come to him from the angel of the Lord seemingly on the other. He has to think about quickly, what does integrity mean? What does righteousness mean? What are the bounds of commitment to one another? It's a lot to think about, Joseph, when he woke up that morning. Or maybe it was so clear that he didn't have to think at all. That he just realized that that word, that law of love, that righteousness of love was way more powerful than any other tradition that he had ever lived into and out of. Big question. Would uh, Joseph allow the Christ child to be born that he would claim as his own? Would he give a good name to this child who some would see as scandalous? That Joseph says yes to this just might be the biggest or closest to the biggest miracle recorded in Matthew's gospel at least. And it's a miracle that you and I have the opportunity to replicate, to follow. Because I believe, and I, the church believes, at least our church believes, that God is always coming to us in ways that allow us to say no. That we have choice. 
that we can answer yes, that we can hear the word, we can go forward, or we can cling to our past in ways that aren't healthy. We want things to be the way they're supposed to be, right? It's a hard one, especially this season. We want things to be the way they've always been. We want life to be the way we've always imagined it. And maybe that is how it goes. But Joseph reminds us that that's not always how it goes. And maybe that's why Joseph might be our most important Christmas character this year. The one that we strive to emulate, open to God's new word in our time of change. Because Joseph reminds us again that the truest and deepest traditions has very little to do with the lighting of candles or the singing of carols or having fast food on Fridays. The most important traditions those come from the very heart of love. So the tradition that lies at the very heart of this Christmas story is the question the angel poses to Joseph and to us. Will you say yes to God's latest idea? Will you make way for Christ to be born again in your life and in your world? Because that is still God's intention, to be born anew this day, this season, this year. So we ask ourselves, where else might this angel appear? Where else might we hear a voice coming to us? To whom else might that angel whisper a surprising invitation? And what moment might the angel tap on your shoulder and change your plans for the good and loving and holy? So like Joseph, we will make decisions this season, this coming year, because the Christ child is born and is also waiting to be born again in our lives and in the world. This God is, continues to seek to change the world. If only we will welcome this one and make space for the spirit in our lives. So that word from scripture this morning, when Joseph awoke from his sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. And he took Mary as his wife and had no relations with her until she had born a son. And Joseph named him Jesus. Amen. Amen.